Pretty unbelievable, isn't it? So if that has been your small group experience, I right now I'm going to tell you I am so sorry. That is not the way they're intended. That's not the way they're supposed to be. So I just want to apologize ahead of time if that's what you've experienced before. Hopefully not here at K2. Um, the management team sat down this last year and we've been praying and we're like, God, I pray that you'd lead us and direct us as to what you want to happen right here at K2. And so we felt like there were four initiatives, four top things that we want to see happen in every person's life here at K2. If you were with us last week, we talked about walking alone, having this personal connection with God on a daily basis. Walking together is today, and that's the community that we surround ourselves with, and, uh, and just getting involved and getting connected so people know your name, so that you're known, that you're loved, and you can do the same for others. Uh, next week's on walking south, going to south campus, and then the, uh, the follow, following week is on walking tall. It's leadership, one-on-one, what we want to instill in you guys as leaders for this next year. And today we're talking about walking together. And so walking together is the community aspect that we all face day in and day out. And so when I first found out I was teaching on walking together, I thought, uh-oh, I don't always like to walk together. So one of my favorite things to do is on a Friday night, come home from work, and I pull in the garage, shut the garage door, I turn off my phone, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to another soul. I go inside the house, kiss my two girls, you know, eat dinner with the family, and it's a great night, and we put our little uh, eight-month-old daughter to bed, and then I do something with my wife. We'll like play a board game or watch a movie or sit and have hot chocolate and talk, and sometimes we don't even talk at all. Sometimes we just sit there and we're just like resting and relaxing and enjoying the peace and the quiet, especially after the kiddos go to bed. But um, you guys know what that's like? And so I thought, if we're talking about walking together, does that mean that I'm going to have to give that up? That I'm going to have to be around people all the time, nonstop from here on out? You know? And I was just like, oh man, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you've just had enough, that you just need to shut your phone off and your life off and just rest and relax and not be around people anymore? Well, apparently, I'm not the only one that feels that way. Have you looked at the way that architects design houses these days? They do it so there's the utmost when it comes to privacy and seclusion. You know, it's all about having fences strategically placed around your yard so you never have to see your neighbors, you never have to interact with them, and there's bushes so you can't see in their house, and the second it gets dark, you know, what do you do? You shut your blinds because you don't want anybody to see And now they sell cameras so that you can know who comes to your door. So if you want to answer it, you can. And if you don't want to, you know who's there. And it's just crazy because we just want to be so isolated on our own little islands, so many of us. And I've been told that back in the good old days, it wasn't that way. So my mom says that back in the good old days, people had front porches. You know, what would happen was you'd come home from work after a long day. You'd crawl into that rocking chair and you'd have your beverage of choice. You know, she said, usually it's sweet tea, Ryan, but, you know, you never know what, what they're going to have. And so you sit, in the, you sit in the chair in your, in your uh, front porch, and you'd wave to the neighbors as they came in. They'd walk over after work, and you'd talk about your day, and you'd talk about your life, and life was good. Somebody would cook up some dinner, and maybe you'd all eat together and have a good time, and the kids are out front playing, having a good time, catching the lightning bugs as it gets dark. And you guys probably don't know about lightning bugs. You're like, what are those? I'm from Indiana. So we, it was like the best thing ever. Like five or six o'clock would roll around. It starts to get dark and you're like, you go catch the bugs. You put them in the jar for like a couple of days. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> More than I thought. That's impressive. So, uh, but our culture is a lot different than it used to be, isn't it? It's all about busyness and chaos and all that kind of stuff. George Gallup, who, who does Gallup polls, here's what he had to say about America. He says, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. Okay? Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. And I read that and I was like, I don't know if that's true. We're around people all the time. We're around people at work. 
on our commute to work, we're around people. At the coffee shop on the way to work, we go to lunch, and there's oftentimes not seats, and so we're packed around people. At our neighborhoods, you know, we, know we see people that way. We take our kids to the park, and there's tons of people there. You know, we're always around people at the grocery store. Last night, I went to Target, and the line was like 12 people long, and I'm talking to the people in front of me. And here's what I thought. Proximity does not equal intimacy. Okay, proximity does not equal intimacy. Just because we have people all around us all the time doesn't mean that we don't feel alone, because we do. We feel alone, and we feel like nobody's connected to us, and nobody really cares. That's why we feel that way. Have you seen the movie Crash? It's a good movie. It came out a couple years ago. I think it won an Academy Award or something. But um, one of the lines that just haunts me in that movie, they say, we crash into people just to feel something. So they crash their cars into people just to feel something. I think we do outrageous things in order to feel something. We pick a fight with a spouse. You know, we go thrill-seeking. We do stuff all the time just in order to feel something so that, so that we can do it. That's why students have the problems that they have today, you know, because they want to just feel. And so we'll do whatever it takes to get there. I think we're missing out on life. I think we're missing out on what, what, what it means to have intimate, deep connection with people. I think one of the things that we do is we don't want people to reject us. We're afraid that if we get close to somebody, they're going to they're gonna push us away. They're going to be like, I don't know about that, dude. You know, and so we hold people at bay time and time again. For instance, somebody asks you, they're like, hey, how you doing? You know, and inside you're saying, man, I am not doing good. I want to sell my house. I'm ready to divorce my spouse. I'm ready to quit my job and punch my boss. You know, I'm ready to pull the covers over my head for all of 2009. But when somebody says, how you doing? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? You know, why? Because we don't want to let people in. We don't want that deep connection, you know, that, <laughs> that we know that we probably need to have, that we crave to have in so many ways, but we just don't go there. Well, I think, guys, I believe that this is not the way that God intended it to be. The way that we're superficial and the way that we feel so alone is not at all what he had in store for us. We read in Genesis 1 and 2. If you've never read it, it's a great read, but where God created the heavens and the earth in just a few days, and it says six times that he looked at everything he had created, and it was good. And then he goes to create man, and he creates man, and he's looking at him, and he's like, you know what? It's not good. It says Genesis 2.18 is the exact verse. God says something isn't right. He says, it's not good for man to be alone, Genesis 2.18. So God's looking at this man he just created, and he says, he's not good. It's not good for him to be alone. And many of us have heard that at marriage ceremonies all across the country, you know, that that's why a man needs a wife. But on other levels too, we're made to be in relationship. We're made to connect with other people. So if you never have a spouse, you know, that's okay because there's other relationships that we can have. And the spouse may be the ultimate relationship that he talks about here, you know, but it's, it's meant on so many other levels that we were designed, you know, to be in relationship with other people. People that know our name, they know what's going on in our hearts, they know our lives. And I started thinking about it this week, guys. And the craziest part was that when God said, it's not good for man to be alone, there was no sin in this world. Sin had not yet entered this place. And so God looks at him and he says, you know what? This is not good and there's no sin. That means that God, every time God spoke a word, Adam heard it. Every time that Adam spoke a word, God heard it. Adam and God would take hand in hand and stroll through the garden together. That's the kind of relationship, the kind of dialogue that they had. And yet God still says, it is not good for man to be alone. Isn't that crazy? I never had thought of it in that way before. And so, so many times Christians, you know, people say, you know what, I'm just feeling lonely. And a a typical Christian response is, well, man, have you been spending time with Jesus? You know, 
Has he, been, has he been speaking to you? And we all do have a God void inside of us where we're searching for truth, we're searching for meaning, and we're searching, searching for our existence. And Andy and Christian talked about that last week, and they did an amazing job. But, you know, we have a human-shaped void in us as well. As well. That's why God said it's not good for man to be alone. And there's no substitute for this human void that we have inside of us. Not God, not money, not achievement, not busyness, not books, not toys. Nothing can fill this hole except for a relationship with other people. That's the only way we can get there. So what happens? What happens if you and I just say, forget it. We're not going to fill this human-shaped void that we have in our lives. We're not going to fill it. We're going to do our own thing. What happens to your life and to my life? Well, here's the first thing, is that we lose perspective. All of a sudden, when, when, when it comes time to make a decision in our lives, you know, we can't make it because we don't have a true north, somebody to point us in the right direction and say, hey, this is what you want to consider. Or this, you experience life and you experience the, the highs, they get even higher because you can't experience them with anybody. And so it's just you by yourself. And this is the worst. When you have a low experience, it gets even lower because there's nobody to experience this with. And then... Another thing that happens when we lose perspective is we forget that it's not a battle of flesh and blood, but there's an enemy that wants to destroy us. You know, and all of a sudden, we're focused on ourselves, and we have very narrow lenses that we look through life in, and we lose perspective. We, we forget that we're in a battle. The best way I can describe it is sheep. You know, so I'm not a shepherd. I don't, I don't know much about being a shepherd, but I know this, that when you keep the sheep together, they're all safe. They're good. They're in their connection. They're there. You know, if the enemy is going to come and, and to attack them, it, it won't happen when they're together. But when one sheep goes off by themselves, when they become isolated, all of a sudden they're attacked. The same is true of our lives. When we become isolated, we become attacked. You know, and we're like, what happened? It's because we strayed away from the flock. We've not had that connection, that intimacy that we were designed to have. That's the first thing that happens. Second one is fear of intimacy. We're afraid that people won't like us. We're afraid that, you know what, they're going to reject us, so I won't even start. I won't even start in relationship with people because they're, they're not going to like me anyways. So I'll just keep my distance, stay at bay, you know, stay away from them. And so we fail to be in relationship because of fear of intimacy. It's better to be disconnected than to risk rejection. It's better to be disconnected than to risk rejection. So that's the second thing that happens. Third one is selfishness. And when we don't fill this human void inside of us, we become very selfish people. It becomes all about our schedule, our agenda, our needs, our desires, and we don't see anybody else. It's only about us. And again, when that happens, your life is lived only, you know, with, it's almost like with blinders on. We only see a very narrow perspective of what life is really about. And the fourth thing that happens is you have poor health. Poor health happens when you don't have connection with other people. They took this study over nine years, they took 7,000 people. They watched their lives and they documented everything that went on from sickness to disease to the foods that they ate and the people that they hung out with. And did you know that you're three times more likely to get sick if you don't have people that are walking through life with you? Okay, three times more likely. And they, they, they found this, that if you have the worst habits in the world, if you smoke, if you have poor eating habits, if you're obese, if you have alcohol abuse, and you still have people to go through life with you, you're going to live longer. If you, if you have the best eating habits and you work out and you're diligent and you're careful about everything you do and you have nobody, you're still not going to live that long. So the, when the study wrapped up, they said it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. So they said it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. And so isolation breeds devastating relational sickness. 
we're going to be sick if we don't have this relational connection with other people. It's true time and time again. And so, Americans, we're searching for, for community. You know, people will do some of the craziest things to do it. I just read about this thing called Burning Man. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's, uh, some of us have. So 46,000 people this last year piled into the Nevada you know, to ex- try to experience this community that they're longing for in their lives. And they say they found it. I don't think they have. But they, they say they found it at this Burning Man in Nevada you know, with all these people doing crazy stuff where they're trying to experience forgiveness and love and atonement. And they say a, a connection with God, which I don't know is true at all. But man, we're longing for community and people are doing outrageous things to get it. You know, that's just the truth. And Jesus had some thoughts on this. So Jesus is, right before he dies, a few hours before, he's praying to the Father. So he has this intimate connection with God, and here's what he prays. Here's what he prays for his disciples and the followers to come. It's found in John 17. Jesus says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming toward you. Again, so he's talking to God, and he's talking to the Father, and he says, I'm on my way out, but they're going to stay here. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And so I was reading that, and I was like, huh, that they may be one as we are one. And if you think about that, that's absolutely incredible, because Jesus is one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to be the most amazing relationship in all of humanity. It's what Jesus experiences with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Okay, we could talk more about that a different day, but... Jesus' prayer for you and for me and for his disciples, the people that are following him, is that they would experience, that we would experience what it's like to be one just as Jesus is one. That we would experience the same community that Jesus himself experienced with the Father and the Holy Spirit is his desire for every single person that's a follower of him. And that's one of his last words before he dies. That's how important it was to Jesus. You know, it puts it in a new perspective for me that we would experience encouragement, and support, and love, and honor, and respect in the same way that Jesus did in his relationship with the Father. I desperately want that, don't you? And so my hope for K2 is we could be a place that fosters community this next year. That's why it's our number two initiative, that we would create a place where people are known, and they're loved, and they're cared for in ways they never thought possible. That when people are longing to get in this community, they come here and they find it like they've never found anything before. Wouldn't that be absolutely amazing? So the question I have for you this morning, are the people around you helping you to grow in Christ? Okay? Are the people around you helping you to grow in Christ? Are they helping you to be the person that you're called to be? Another way to look at it is, are you helping the people that you run with to grow in Christ? Are you helping them to live the lives that they're called to live? Because, guys, we cannot do this alone. If we're ever going to amount to anything, we have to have people that come alongside us, that love us, that encourage us, that call us to the carpet when we need it, that put an arm around us when we need that too, and just love us through every tough time and every good time. Just this last week, my little girl, uh, she's eight months old, and she still doesn't always sleep through the night. Sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. I think she's getting a tooth right now, so like the last week has just been absolutely miserable. So we go to bed at like 12 o'clock, and my little girl, Bren, she's up at at 2 a.m. Okay, so 2 a.m., she's screaming her head off. I go in, change her diaper, give her some Tylenol, all that stuff. I go back to bed, and I'm wide awake. I'm just like staring at the ceiling. I'm like, I'm not going to go back to bed. I just know it. And so I, I finished reading a book. I, I was close. And so I finished that, and I'm still, I'm like, wide awake. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I look out the window, and it's snowing. And so I'm like, I'm going to go drive around in the snow. 
It'll be fun, you know. And so I'm driving around in the snow and making little donuts and stuff in the local uh, grocery store parking lot. Nobody's there. Uh, pass a few police officers on the way. But um, so I, I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? One of the guys that has poured into me or my life, he's just made such a difference. I just want to call him. So, okay, it's, it's like 3.30 in the morning. I call this guy. And luckily, he lives in Indiana, and uh, he was awake. He wakes up at like 5 a.m. every day. I figured he would probably be awake. And so we just started talking about life, and I told him everything that's going on with me. And he's like, before we hung up, here's what he said. He said, hey, Rye, he said, we have 86,400 seconds in a day. Don't forget, let's, let's make each one count. He said, Ryan, 86,400 seconds in a day, make each one count. He said, do you hear me? And he says, Ryan, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. He said, so let's make today the best that we can. And he was one of those people that has just helped me to grow in Christ time and time and time again. You know, Proverbs 27, 17 says it like this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If you take a piece of iron and you rub it up against another one, what happens is it shapes and it sharpens it exactly the way it's supposed to be. That's what other people in our lives do. They help us to become the people that we're designed to be. For instance, if you're reading the scriptures by yourself, and you open them and you apply them to their lives, good things can happen. But if there's a group of guys and you open the scriptures and you read them together and you apply them directly to your life, watch out. You know, that's when amazing things start to happen. You know, because all of a sudden we're working together and we're growing in Christ and God's hand gets on it and man, it's just unbelievable what will happen. Romans 12, 9 says it like this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to love be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. 1 Corinthians 14.26 says, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone is a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If we all came together and we said, all right, what are we going to do to grow in Christ and strengthen the church? Again, the church is not K2. The church is us, the people of Christ that are willing to do his work in this world. And Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. If we accepted everybody that came into our lives in order to bring praise to him, man, watch out. You know, we're growing in Christ together. And so the cool thing is, is there's tons of people that sit right here in these seats. It's probably you, you know, that you're growing in Christ with the people around you and you're helping others every chance that you get. And rather than hear from me, I thought it would be great if you heard from one of us, you know, one, one of you guys, one of the people that just, you know, that just cranks it out on a daily basis. So we interviewed Lisa Scheidt. She works with our high school students and junior high students at K2. Just an amazing, amazing gal. And so I want you guys to hear her story and how she's grown in Christ over this last couple of years. I was raised in a family where we basically went to church on holidays, so like Christmas, Easter, New Year's, like the big ones. Um, my parents talked about God, they got us Bibles, but I guess as, as a teenager I wasn't interested at all, had my own idea of what I wanted to do, so I knew of a God but I had no relationship with God. I didn't come to Christ till I was 20 actually, and uh, it was right before um, I met my husband, that's how I ended up in Utah. I came to Christ a weekend before I met my husband who lived in Utah. And I started K2 and Candace Kugler actually invited me to a precepts Bible study class. And that would, I'd say, was the start. I got to meet amazing women, women who loved the Lord, who were following the Lord, but knew so much, so much about God. And that's when I realized 
I loved this Jesus man and I wanted to give my life to Jesus and I wanted to obey him and I wanted to be a follower of Christ, but I really had no idea who I was following. That was the beginning for me of realizing how important it was to be surrounded by others who really knew the Lord, who held you accountable to. Are you in God's word? You know, have you been reading? Have you been studying? You know, what what's going on in, in your life and somebody else reads the Bible and the word is living and God speaks to them and they share that with you and it's like, wow, that's amazing. I've read that verse and I totally missed that. I never even got that connection and how cool is that, you know, or or people praying and God speaking through them and getting to hear his words and just knowing that, wow, God spoke through her so I could hear that today. You know, that was him loving on me through her. So I think, yeah, it's huge. It's huge that you're in community with people or maybe your growth would come, but slowly, I don't know. I just can't see how you do it without others. My husband and I are leading a the love and respect small group at our house and it's been really neat because we've actually had people who have just joined the group because they go to K2 and they just wanted to get connected. And then we have people who aren't coming to K2 who don't know the Lord, you know, who are in our small groups. And why else would they want to do a small group but to have community? I mean, God just puts that in us that we want to be with people. We want to do life with people. It's been nice to, to be there for other people, you know, to open my house now to let other people come in and learn about Christ. I know when I come to church on Sundays and I just come and I sit and I listen to a message and then I leave, it's so different than when I come to church on Sunday and I see the people who I'm close to that I'm doing studies with or that I'm serving side by side with or the parents of the kids that I'm trying to love on every week. It, it's, I, I really can't imagine doing it without other Christians. It's just been the closest way of getting to Christ here on earth. amazing, isn't it? So what if you could experience what Lisa's experienced? What if you had people that helped you and loved you to grow in Christ, you know, and spoke truth to you on a daily basis? And what if you could be that to someone and it really helped them become the people that they're designed to be? And wouldn't that be just amazing if all of us did that? So that's the first question. Do you have people in your life that are helping you to grow in Christ? The second one today is, are you serving together with other people? Are you serving beside other people that love you and encourage you? And you can make a difference in this, in this world and in this community. Another way to say is, how has partnering with someone and serving enhanced your relationship with them? And what happens when we serve is there's this newfound uh, intimacy that just happens with an individual. If you've been on a mission trip, you know what I mean. You're going to the informational meeting before, and you see that person, and you're like, ooh, steer clear of them. You know, I'd never be buddies with them. I'd never invite them over to watch the Giants and the, the Eagles later today. You know, but then on the, on the way home on the mission trip on the plane, you're like hanging out with them. You're like, dude, you're the best ever. Come over and watch football with me. And what happens is this connection, this intimacy just bonds between you two when you begin to serve together. It's just incredible. One of the best things about my job, again, I work with the students here at K2, is that we have an awesome leadership team. We have 23 leaders between junior high and high school that make the program happen every week, that love on the kids, you know, that show up and just are there to make everything happen. And these people are some of my best friends. And so this last week we had our Christmas party. It was a little bit late, but um, we we had our Christmas party and we celebrated and we played the we and we ate dinner together and we talked about the future and we dreamed and we spent the last part just praying together. And it was so cool because there's this intimacy with every one of those leaders. You know, we're on the same page. We're accomplishing a mission together. And man, watch out, because that's what happens when you begin to serve with other people. 
Romans 12 says it like this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You know, man, if our lives look like that. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds. If that was our job is to figure out, how, man, how can I love other people and spur them on towards good things? And then the last one, Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. That's what we're to do. We're to serve the people that are beside us in, in love and do whatever we can to help them grow and to be with them and to help us accomplish the mission that's before us. One of the great people in my life is my buddy Josh. Josh is one of the most faithful friends you'll ever find in your life. Perfect example of that this last week, Josh and I are going to watch Ohio State football together on Monday night, the the worst football game of the year for Ohio State. They had it, 16 seconds left, they lose the game. But anyways, that's a different story. So so Josh, he's coming over, we're going to hang out, we're going to watch the game, we're all excited. And I get a call from Clarissa before I come home from work, and she's like, Rye, my car is dead. I'm like, Clarissa, are you serious? I was like, it's always something with us. You know, if it's not a car dead, something breaks, you know, whatever. Our identity's stolen. or It's always something. And so, seriously, it all happened. <laughs> but um, so I, I go home. I look at the car. I try to jumpstart it. It won't start. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to have to get it towed. So I call the Honda dealer. I'm like, all right, what does it take to get a car towed? It's only a mile from our house. And the guy's like, it's $69 whether you live in Provo or whether you're a mile away. I'm like, all right, so 69 bucks, and then I got this idea. So I called Josh. I was like, Josh, come over an hour before the game. And so he's like, why? I was like, just come over. So he comes over, and he's, he shows up. I'm like, hey, dude, we're going to have to push my car to the, to the lot. I go, to the, uh, to the dealer. I go, it's only a mile away. It's kind of downhill. I was like, dude, we could just hop in it, you know, and we could go. And so Josh is like, all right, Ryan, if you're convinced we need to do this. I was like, it's 69 bucks. You know, it's better that we would, it takes us an hour to do this. And so... We start pushing my car in the middle of the nighttime. It's snowing, you know, and Josh is like, Ryan, this is not a good idea. Somebody's going to get hurt. And so uh, I just asked Josh if he'd come up and share his story about getting connected and serving. So would you guys give it up for Josh? That's what kind of friend this guy is. So I, 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 don't, I, I don't like the person who could push a car, especially in the snow. So we try to realize that. So the plan was I would push and he would drive and then I would hop in. But it didn't work. So uh, Josh, tell us, man, what, uh, how did you end up in Utah of all places? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm originally from Georgia and my wife, Kristen, um, and, and our daughter, Lily Kate, um, had an opportunity to move out to Utah uh, to, to start an organization called Aspiro about two years ago. And Aspiro is, is, um, is a program that, that does help uh, youth that are struggling. And, um, and, and so the, the catalyst for our opportunity here in Utah was work. Uh, God had a different reason, though, I think, to bring me out here. And, and as we were beginning to, uh, to make that big decision um, at, at 30 years old to, to move our family across country to Utah... Um, I began to pray to God and, and ask Him to provide me something tangible, um, something that I really, really could hold on to, to provide clarity in my life to, to make this big decision. Because um, we knew no one out here other than, than three people that, that I was going to help start this organization with. Um, and, and so as we came to visit um, Utah a couple of times to consider this, this opportunity, um, we, we visited K2 at the, the request of a recommendation of our pastor back home. Um, and... 
on our last visit to Utah, we, we decided to do that at, at you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. It was one, uh, two, two hours before our flight, actually, so it was kind of a quick thing. It was rushed. And anyway, um, it just hit me in that service that, you know, there was opportunity out here, um, you know, and, and so we, uh, we decided that, that we wanted to come and, and, and be in Utah, but the thing that was, the thing that was really making us struggle was, was the idea of not belonging to a church and not being able to have a community that we could do life with together. And we had that back home. It was comfortable. Uh, but, but coming to K2 really, really helped provide some clarity um, to that. And that's kind of where it all started and, um, and, and led us to the decision to move out here. Wow. So you're coming to Utah. You only know the three people you're working with. What were the first six months like of being here? Um, you know, it was a learning experience. Uh, the first six months uh, being away from family and, and friends was, was difficult. Um, you know, growing up as an only child um, and, and always being around my family and friends and always the center of attention for all of you only children out there, it's kind of hard moving away from, from all of that. Um, and, and even, you know, even if, if you have a different circumstance, and a lot of you can probably relate uh, to moving away, um, it's, it's, it's hard not having those same resources and creature comforts that you're so used to uh, at your disposal. Uh, but the, the, so the first six months uh, we, we spent... Um, Really, really, the first three months or so, we, we spent just kind of getting our feet wet and, 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 and living a new life. Uh, a big part of that was coming to K2 on a weekly basis because um, we felt that was necessary. So we did. We attended K2 on a weekly basis. We, we talked to people and met people um, and, and soon realized that, uh, that God had, had called us out here not only to work and start this awesome organization and not only to attend K2, uh, but really get connected here at K2. And, and try to make a difference because, you know, I, I truly believe there is a big, big difference between just attending uh, church or K2 or whatever you may do and actually being connected with that. Uh, so, that so that's what, what happened. Wow. So what did you do to get connected? Um, well, uh, I guess the, a couple of things happened, but I think the, the, the primary uh, event that uh, allowed Kristen and I and our daughter Lily Kate to, to get connected here at K2 was, uh, was what is called... An on ramp, um, which is just kind of this one time event, uh, you know, that, that K2 holds sometimes for people that, that want to start out and, and get connected with small groups, uh, but may not want to start with this ongoing small group. Um, and Ryan actually hosted this, uh, this on ramp. And it was a pool party as summer was approaching. And, and you know, we thought, God, Lily Kate would, uh, you know, probably enjoy that. And there was going to be some other people there our own age. Uh, we felt like we could relate. In fact, I think we knew one or two people from church that were going. Um, and, and so that's really what got us connected uh, at, at K2. Uh, going there, it was um, a little bit intimidating. Um, you know, my wife did not want to get in front of all of these new people in a bathing suit, and I didn't want to get rejected from all of these new people. Um, but we decided to go anyway. We took a leap, leap of faith and, and, and went to this pool party, which turned out to be probably the best thing we, we did here in Utah, uh, because... We met some, uh, some of the most amazing people there. Um, Ryan and, and Clarissa, his wife, are, are two of them that are just so dear to our heart. And some, you know, some of the people that we still do life with together today who are the most important people in our life. Um, and, and if we haven't had gone to that, I don't know where we, we would be. I don't know where, if, we, if we'd still be here in Utah. Uh, we may have moved back to Georgia by now, but it really felt like we had a family here. Um, even though we were away from our traditional family, it felt like we had a family here. Uh, an example of that is when, uh, when we all got together uh, this, this past Thanksgiving. And, and, you know, on the holidays, you're spending it with family, uh, usually, and, and we didn't have family here, so... Uh, picture. Yeah, so, some of us 
Yeah, that, that's this, this past Thanksgiving. And, and some of us got together, um, and, uh, we, you know, we, we fried up a turkey. We had Thanksgiving dinner. Um, you know, it kind of felt, like, uh, felt like we were back in Georgia, but, with, you know, with, with a new family. It was pretty cool. Uh, and we did it again on, you know, we did that on Christmas and New Year's. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have been the same with, without, you know, first stepping out of, of our box and, and going to that on-ramp and, and meeting people that would truly affect our lives. That's really cool. We had sweet tea there, too. So. Yeah, I made sweet tea, by, by the way, three cups of sugar. <laughs> so uh, how are you serving right now, Josh? What does that look like for you? Um, you know, I think the, the primary way I, I'm serving is, um, is, is together with, with Ryan and our amazing leaders um, among our youth. Ryan, Ryan and I got to know each other uh, really more, more in depth uh, in, in more intimate way um, about a year and a half ago after this on-ramp. Uh, and, and as he got to know me a little bit more and learned a little bit about what I do, um, and, and my background in counseling and, and as a clinician, he thought that I'd be uh, a good representative of, of the youth department here at K2. So I, I decided to, um, to come and, and volunteer, um, I, I guess, uh, almost a year ago, and, and have been doing it ever since, and coming and, and loving on the kids every week. Um, you know, I never thought that I would be spending my personal time, my time at church, um, and, and, and doing things uh, for, for kids, and also doing them at work every day. God had a different plan for me. It's not my time, it's his time, obviously, or, or I wouldn't be doing that, you know, almost the entire part of my day, but, but it's been amazing. <laughs> That's cool. Um, what advice would you give to the people that are not connected here, that are sitting here today? Maybe their first time here, they've been here for six months, and they're not connected at all. Any advice you'd give to those guys? Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say, um, first and, and foremost, take a, take a risk. Uh, you know, a lot of you probably... Uh, have been coming to K2. Some of you probably haven't been coming to K2, um, maybe, maybe but once or twice. Um, I, w- I would say take a risk. We did that, um, and it took us a little while. It took us a couple of months, but we, we took a risk and, and, uh, and a leaf of faith and, and got involved. Um, go to a party. Uh, look in your, bro- in your, in your brochures and, and your programs and, and look what's going on. Uh, volunteer. Um, I think the other piece of advice I, I can give you uh, if you're looking to get connected and not just come to church every week, is to serve. Um, that's huge because that in itself uh, connects you, and that's what God wants you to do. So find where your heart's leading you and, and find an area where you can serve. Um, the, last, the last piece uh, of, of advice you know, I, I can give you is, um, you know, is, 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 especially if you haven't been coming here, uh, is, is just to have hope because there is hope. Um, I'm a perfect example of that. My wife, Kristen, and I are, and, and our, our little one and, and my wife's, Tell me we're having another little girl in about five months. Um, are, are perfect That's examples awesome. of thank you. Per- perfect examples of hope here because, um, in, in not in a million years did I ever believe that I was going to be moving out of the deep south over into to western Utah here and <laughs> and starting a new life and starting a new family. Um, but we did. We we took the initiative to step out there and and you can do it too. It, it's a little it's a little intimidating as Ryan said earlier to to start developing intimacy with others. Um, but uh, it's the sweetest thing you could do. So if you're thinking about it, don't, don't hesitate. Cool. All right, Josh. Thanks, guys. Yeah. You know what? What's just amazing to me is I cannot imagine my life without Josh Watson. I mean, his family and our family, we do life together. Uh, Kristen was there when my little daughter Bren was born. She was in the hospital room. And I just couldn't imagine if they weren't in our lives. It would just be, Utah would be so different. And if they hadn't taken a step and went to the on-ramp, man, I don't know where we would be. So for you, 
Is there a way you can begin to serve, a way you can get plugged in? There's opportunities with the Compassion Ministry from Pioneer Park to Open Door. I mean, there's a gazillion different opportunities. If you love youth, you can come work with the students. If you love kids, you can go to Adventure Canyon. If you want to serve on the Connections team, you can make that happen and hand out Legos like they were today. You know, or if you like money, you can take offering and you can help, help count it at the end. You know, if you're a money liker, then that's a good place to be. So, uh, so the two questions so far. Man, do you have people that you're growing in Christ with? Do you have people that you're serving next to? And the third one today is, are you in a community of care with other believers? Are you in a community of care with other believers? The Christian, the Christian community is a place where you're with, with, for those that are walking with Jesus to find support for one another, give grace to one another, and walk through life's ups and downs together. It's living out what it means to be a true family. That's what the Christian community is. In John 15, here's how Jesus describes it. He says, my command is this. Again, he's teaching to the disciples. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does, what, does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned. My father, my, everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So if you read a couple of verses before, the reason why Jesus is able to love us and lay his life down is because he has this intimate connection with the Father. Again, Christian and Andy talked about that last week, this God-shaped void that every one of us have in our lives. If you missed it, look it up on YouTube. You know, it's amazing. But he says, As a re- after I get that full, after I get my peace from God, then I can love the people that God puts around me. And how does he do that? He does it selflessly. You know, it's not about us. It's not about our own wants or desires. It's about just loving the people that God puts in front of us. And that's what we're called to do. Romans 12 says it like this. Do not repay, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, on you live at peace with everyone. When is the last time we did something that was right in everybody's eyes? We weren't thinking of ourselves to live at peace with everyone. I think it's rare these days. And man, our hearts should be open to new people who are in need, who need cared for, who need loved, who need listened to from nobody else except for us. You know, we need to be open to that. And the cool part is when that happens in our lives, man, it's <laughs> the, the amount of love that we experience and the fullness that we have on a daily basis is unlike anything else. And again, I could tell you a hundred stories from my life where I've been loved and walked through stuff and I've helped other people, but we wanted to hear from one of you. You know, and so we have another video we captured of just someone loving God. You know, there's someone loving people through God, you know, with this family. And so we want you guys to watch this and and watch God working. Uh, It was 1991, I think. Is that right? And uh, I was a lawyer for the state, and Dawn was just graduating from law school. And I interviewed her for a, a clerking job and hired her. We got married in 1996, and um, Jim had um, two boys who were, well, they were seven and nine when we got married. And uh, they've always lived with us half the time. And then, then Jeffrey came along um, a while after that, and he's going to be nine this weekend. Our real relationship with Christ, I think, evolved when we came to K2. At least it took a huge step forward for me. Dawn got involved with the Sunday morning 
and taking pictures. And Adventure Canyon. And I got involved with the art team and uh, life was, life was good. September 26th of this year, I had ridden my motorcycle to work that day and uh, left work to get a haircut and uh, coming back to work on 13th South, a delivery van had uh, made a U-turn, uh, just instantaneously pulled in front of me, crashed into it, and uh, I fell to the ground and apparently the truck was in the uh, ongoing traffic lane so backed up and backed over me and came to rest on my chest. And uh, actually at the time I didn't really know what had happened. I was just riding along and uh, just felt this huge crash like I'd run into a wall. I think from the moment he showed up at the ER, I think that um, the trauma team thought for several days he might die, and nobody would tell me otherwise. He was in horrible condition. His face was just um, purple. He couldn't breathe. You know, just he was in incredible pain to even take the shallow breath. I mean, so it was even obvious looking at him that things were really bad. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but Don since told me how many people came the day of my accident while I was in intensive care and just came to pray. Remember, um, something about the very occasion when my spleen ruptured, I, sort of foggy, but I remember the gurney going down the hallway and onto the elevator and uh, being in a fog, but I looked up and, and people were already there and I'll never forget that I, I just remember as clear as day, uh, Dave was looking down on me and Rut and Brad uh, because I mean, these are all the guys that I'd become close to. It just is an incredible feeling of support and being loved. And it was overwhelming. I didn't know that I knew so many people at K2. Mm -hmm. And that continued the two weeks in the hospital, the next two weeks in the nursing center. And while I was home, I had all kinds of people coming, calling. People started bringing meals. It started with uh, K2 has kind of a meals ministry. And that group of people started out by bringing us meals um, about every three days. In addition to that, we you know, have other friends outside of the church who are also um, bringing meals to our house and looking after us and um, helping to look after our little boy. I mean, we have some friends who were just bringing Jeffrey to church for us because we couldn't go. We saw the body of Christ in action. And I even remember talking to, you know, again, trying not to go into names, but talking to Rut on the Sunday after Jim's accident, and it was the anniversary service, so it was a really big deal that day. And, you know, he was going to come up to the hospital, and, you know, as I said, I was having a really hard time receiving from people at that time and so I was saying oh no you're too busy you've got the anniversary service and he just stopped me cold in my tracks and 
Um, this is something I remembered for the rest of, of Jim's crisis. He just stopped me right there and he said, Don, this is church. He said, it's not about the anniversary service. It's not about what music we're playing there. He said, this, this is what church is. We're, we're the body of Christ. We're here for each other. And I just saw that played out, you know, from then on when we still see it played out. Things and jobs and, and things of this world, routines, um, are all secondary to, to the people and, and around you and your relationship with God. And, and yeah, it, community takes on a new meaning has for us. Until you're in community and you experience that for yourself, you don't know what you're missing. You probably think, as, as I probably used to think, um, that you're kind of doing okay on your own and you can, you can do all these things on your own and you're, maybe you pride yourself on being independent, um, um, being able to get things done, but, but once you're in a community with people and you, know, you lift up other people, you allow other people to lift you up and do things for you, um, it, it brings a fullness and richness to your life that you didn't know was missing before. I think we could just go home, couldn't we? It's just amazing. Did you catch that line that we are the church? We don't go to church. We are the church. And so the question was, is, man, is there people around you that need care, you know, that you could love on, that you could help this next year in 2009? Or maybe you're a person that needs care, you know, and you've not allowed people to love on you. Maybe that could change this next year. And if you haven't noticed, our world is in serious trouble. And again, I don't, I'm not an economist or whatever you call it, and I don't know, but they're saying that we haven't seen anything like this since the Great Depression. You know, and so the question is, is man, are you ready to help the people in need? You know, are we going to take this time? Are we going to hoard for ourselves if God continues to allow you to have your job? Or are you going to do what you can to reach beyond yourself and help those people in need and care for them and love them and listen to them? And maybe it's not financially. Maybe it's in other ways. Maybe it's opening a room in your house or having people over for a meal, whatever it is, man, are we going to be people who are going to be the church? Because Dave Nelson and I were talking, we had lunch last week, and we said, man, our world is not, who's, who's going to help? Our government can't do it. You know, my hope is that this church, this place, will be one where we help each other out, where we reach beyond ourselves and we do amazing things for each other, not to make us look good, but because we're the church and we give all the glory to him in the process. So, Let's reach beyond our walls, K2. Let's do whatever we can do to help people, you know, this next year. So the church's job, our job is to create an environment where people are growing in Christ, where people are serving together, and people are caring for one another. That's our job. Larry Crabb says it like this, as our lungs require air, so our souls require what only community provides. We are designed to live in relationship. Without it, we die. It's that simple. Without relationship, we're toast. We're never going to make it. And so I have a question for you. Are you a person who's connected? Are you a person who's not connected? And I want to talk to each person. So answer in the stillness of your heart. Are you a person who's connected? Do you have people you're growing in Christ with, people you're serving besides, or, or people you're, you're giving care to or getting care? 
You know, and if, you're, if your answer is yes, I want to talk to you for a second. I want to tell you this next year, man, my hope is that you would invite people into your group, you know, into your circle. If that's t- having someone come alongside and serve beside you, or if it's helping someone grow in Christ that doesn't know him, or that's just new in their faith, or if it's taking your group and splitting it in half and saying, all right, we're each going to look for new people you know, to, to make this group. We're going to double its size so that more people can become in community like we are in community. What I want you to do is I want you just to ask Jesus this next week. Say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I'm connected, but I want to help other people to get there too. And as soon as he tells you something, you're a person that does it. You don't question, you don't ask, you just go and you do it. You know, again, it's not about us. And if you're a person who's not connected, that's you over here. My hope is that you would join in. There's tons of stuff going on at K2. You know, that you would discover K2 next weekend baptisms in a few weeks. There's a life together guide. Instead of sitting back and saying, man, nobody will connect with me. I've done it before. So many of us do that all the time that you would say, man, what can I do to jump in to take a risk like Josh said, you know, and then we'd make it, you know, you can grab your uh, program and there's an insert in there. The ways you want to get involved, if you want to serve on the money team or the connections or with the youth, sign up, make it happen, you know, and take that step and begin to join in and do not sit, sit back for one second. Another thought is there's people that are sitting beside you right now. There's people that you see every Sunday morning. You, know, you, you kind of know their face or you know what they wear and you know that they like the eagles and the football. So um, my, my thought is, man, you could take those people and you could invite them over. Say, hey, tonight is 24's official kickoff. Come over for a meal. We're going to have some wine and just be in dialogue and conversation together. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, instead of just waiting for other people to invite you in, if you just invited them, that's my hope. And maybe you could do this. I do this sometimes as I write out the excuses that I make. Nobody will like me. I don't have enough time. And then I write a plan to overcome every one of my excuses as you go home today. You know, but you've got to figure this, this out. You've got to get connected. And you've got to take that step. And remember, this isn't a marathon. It's not like we're going to work all night and by, by tomorrow morning at this time, we're going to have a group of friends and we're going to be connected and life is going to be good. You know, but my hope is that we would just take one step in the right direction. We'd be moving towards that. Because most of us here have at least 20 years left here on this earth, hopefully more like 50 or 60. You know, but man, let's make the most and let's move in the right direction direction, and let's get connected to people. Because we all want authentic community, don't we? It's what God longed for us to have. It's Jesus' last prayer. You know, one of his last prayers before he died, and so we got to figure this out. So again, our hope this year at K2 and through our initiatives is that this God piece gets figured out. You could spend the time with him that you need to. And he would instill into you the person that you are. And this, uh, this human-shaped void, that we would begin to fill that in 2009. And you'd be connected with other individuals who love you, who know your name, who care about you, and would walk through life without you. So our hope is that we would breathe God all over the city, all over our families, all over our workplaces, and all over our neighborhoods, everywhere that we go. And then you better watch out, because everybody's going to want to come to K2. You know, they're going to be, I want a part of it. I want to be a part of what you have. That's what people are going to say because we're going to be full and we're going to be joyful. So I want you to grab your Legos. Everybody got a Lego? Somewhere, somehow. So I got mine somewhere up here. So um, when you walk in the door, you're given a Lego. And a Lego by itself is a little awkward. You know, you're just like, I don't know what this thing's for. But together, when you connect them, they can make some of the most beautiful, amazing things ever. We, I, I found a couple of pictures last night on the internet. It's just amazing. Look at this, a castle. 
one individual Lego, nothing. But you join them all together, look what you got. Look what else we have. We have Greece. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Just from Legos. And then we have, uh, I don't know what that is. I think it's in Australia somewhere. Or New Zealand. New Zealand. Sydney Opera House. There you go. And the last one, we have Mount Rushmore. No, that's not. <laughs> if that's Mount Rushmore, we have a problem. The Taj Mahal. And then lastly, we have Mount Rushmore, I think. Could be wrong. There we go. So, but together, they make something beautiful, don't they? And so, you, by yourself, kind of awkward, kind of simple, but together, as a community, we can do amazing things. And so, Ephesians 2.22 describes it like this. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit inside of us. And he's building us, you know, the same that we build these Legos. And so we're going to do something a little bit different. Okay, our act of worship this morning is going to be connecting, being in community. I know you're thinking, I just want to run from this place. I want to hop in my car. I want to go to lunch. I don't want to ever want to think about K2 again. You know, if they're going to make me talk to some people. But it's going to be good. Last service was incredible. And so um, we're, going to take our, we're going to take our Legos and we're going to grab a group of 20 or so people and we're going to build something. 20 or 30, you can just start building them. This was last service. There was actually some really cool ones. If there's any really cool ones, I'll show you guys at the end. And then um, you're going to grab from that group of 20 or 30, you're going to grab a group of three or four and you're going to answer the questions that are on the screen. And my hope is that you could just be honest with the people that you're sitting around. You could connect. You could find something common, some, a common interest, a common thread between you. And all of a sudden, you have this connection. And so, also this time, we're going to take our offering. So, ushers, if you guys would take your places now. Again, offering. Offering is just one more way that we can give back to God. It's all His anyways. You know, and, and, and so many times we compartmentalize. We're like, this is my God piece. This is my friends. This is my work. This is my social life. This is my family. But it's all his. And so you can send them around, send the bags around. And so we just give back to God because he's been so great and so generous to us that we can give back to him. And if you're here this morning and you want to be our guest, be our guest, feel no pressure. But if you want to give back to a God who gives generously to you, feel the absolute freedom to give to him. You know, we want to, we want to make that available to you. And as a result of your giving, that's how community is, happens. You know, through the youth ministry with me. Our hope is that students get connected to other students and that kind of thing. And through Adventure Canyon and the Compassion Ministry and all that stuff, we do stuff so that other people can get connected to each other and fill the God void that every one of us have. So I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to split up and build some Legos. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for each and every individual that's in this room. I pray right now that we would make connections, Lord, this next year. Today would be the start of that. We would make connections that are deep and intimate and where we can be honest and people will begin to know us and we begin to know others. Help us to do this selflessly. We know that it is not about us in any way whatsoever. And so, God, I pray that our lives as K2 would bring you glory, Lord. We love you so much. In your son's name, amen.